calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And I feel like we haven't done this with that being said. We haven't done yeah, that yeah, in a yeah. while. Totally. And, we, and that needs to happen for this episode. <laughs> yeah. So we get things wrong. We do our best to do good research for you guys and to give it to you straight. But we are not experts. We are not gender studies majors. We are not historians. We are none of those things. We are two girls in a closet talking about feminist, feminist stuff through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yeah, and <laughs> like... A lot of this stuff, too, I think whenever we always say this when we're doing historical figures or anything that involves a lot of historical research, there are so many stories out there. And yeah. I feel like it's like a game of telephone, especially the older the history. Yeah. Um, you can read six different articles and all of the major points will be the same, but yeah. the little details will be different. So if well, you if it's someone you know and you're like, oh, well, I thought this other thing happened or that part's wrong, yeah. it might not be that we're wrong and you're right or you're right. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's just that there's so much information out there that it's or hard to know. For me this week, there was so little information that oh, I was yeah. trying to, like, I had very few sources to go from. And, like, one of my main sources this week, as is one of my sources every week, is Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. But there's not a whole lot anywhere else. So. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, this is going to be kind of a shorty, surprisingly. Usually when we do these, like, book report-style episodes, they're kind of long. But I think for both of us, because we're doing Forgotten Feminist Faves, part of them being forgotten is that there isn't a plethora of information. Yeah. So when I say that, like, there's contradictory information on the internet, it's not that... I'm overwhelmed with information right. on this person that I'm Except about to. Except there's a lack of, but then the three options you have are, like, different. Right. And I they're, like, you. small details. It'll be, like, someone said vineyard and someone said barn, and then you're like, what? 
you know, like, <laughs> but where which was one it? was it? And you just kind yeah. of pick one and go with it, you know? Right. Um, okay. I'm so. excited to know who you're doing this week. Yes. Because you know this, who I'm talking about. I, do. I don't know who you're talking about. This was someone who I did not know about until I, I was like, you know what? I really want to find someone pretty unknown to me. Yeah. And... Because that's always fun. Yeah, it's always fun to, like, learn about new people. Because I feel like, especially with feminism or really with any topic, you hear the same five names over and over and over again hailed as the, like, icons, heroines of feminism. So, this is a woman named Franca Viola. I'm excited. Yes. Okay. So... Franca Viola was born on January 9th, 1948, and she was an Italian woman. I'm going to try not to look at my notes just because I feel like I always tell a better story if I don't have to be glued to my notes. You always do well, so, you're saying, but yeah. <laughs> let's do this. So when Franca was 15, she was dating this man who was 23, mm-hmm. already a red flag, but it was the 60s, yeah. so it's kind of like, okay. So she was in, I think it was the south of France, okay. or not south of France, south, south Italy. of Italy, and it was kind of like a smaller town. So it was definitely not moving with the times of, like, the 1960s. So being 15 and dating a 23-year-old wasn't a big deal at all. Um, Kind of like a farming vineyard community. Yeah. So he was 23, and his name was Filippo Meloria. There's going to be a lot of Italian in this. I might fuck a good amount of it up. Okay. So she dated him kind of, like, briefly, and Meloria was the nephew of a known uh, mafia member. So, okay. I mean, that's just Italy, right? <laughs> no offense, We're Italy. sorry to you, Italy. No, I'm totally kidding. I just have a friend from Italy where we used to always make fun of her for that. My apologies. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but so I guess her father found out that he had mafia ties. Right. He got arrested for, like, theft or something, and he was like, I don't know that I want you dating this guy. So she was like, okay, I'll, I'll end it with him. And it turns out that he was leaving this, the town anyway to go do something else. So okay, it all bye. worked out. Goodbye. So she starts dating this other guy whenever um, Melodia is gone. He goes to Germany. And by the time... Wait, Melodia goes to Germany? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so in this time, she meets someone else. I think yeah. his name is Giuseppe something or another. That's so funny because the girl that I knew from Italy used to date a Giuseppe. A Giuseppe. Um, or Giuseppe, I don't know Giuseppe? if I'm saying it right. She, she called him Giuseppe. Giuseppe. So she's dating him. Life is going well for her. She's happy. She's in love. She's known him for like a really long time. Things are great. So then Melodia returns back to this town. Um, I think it's called Al- Alcama. I want to say Alcama. Okay. Sounds so good to me. He returns and he's like, you know what? I want Franca back. I'm going to win her back. But tr- I am not a prize to be won. Precisely. Name and that movie. That is Aladdin. Thank you. Uh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> what is ding, Aladdin? Ding, ding. Um, but he's like, okay, I'm going to win Franca back. But she's like, no, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with Giuseppe. Everything's great. So he starts stalking her. He starts yeah. threatening her. He starts threatening her father, her boyfriend, just everybody. And Franca is constantly, consistently declining his advances. Yeah, guys, in case you didn't know this, stalking is doesn't, not the way to a yeah, girl's heart. It doesn't make you more attractive like, appealing. or yeah, it's just not going to work. So, on the morning of December 26, 1965, Melodia, so it's the day after Christmas, early early morning day after Christmas, 
Melodia and 12 of his friends, which I'm like, you know there had to be mafia ties here because who just has 12 friends willing to do this? Who just has 12 friends, Keegan? Period. <laughs> um, just kidding. You're lonely. <laughs> um, Melodia and 12 of his friends break into the Viola home. Oh, my God. They beat Franca's mother. No. And they kidnap Franca <gasps> and Franca's little brother... <gasps> Because he is, uh, Mariano is her, her little brother. Yeah. And they, they kidnap him inadvertently because he's like eight years old and he refuses to let go of his sister's leg. <gasps> so he won't let go of her. So Maybe. they're like, I guess we're taking you both. So they take both of them. After a couple of hours, they release Mariano, but they take Franca to, um, to Melodia's sister's like remote farmhouse. Yo. And they keep her. And uh. trigger warning. Trigger warning. Just fast forward if you're sensitive. They um, beat her and repeatedly rape her. So uh, this entire time... This is my worst nightmare. I'm not even... Like, this is seriously my worst nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, real quick, quick story. There was a dude outside my apartment a couple nights ago. Scary. Scary. So scary. Looked... Was, like, looking into my friend, my neighbor's apartment... And, like, Chris heard him, and then we woke up to, I woke up at least to, like, flashlights being shown into my house because there were cops there. <gasps> Scary! We didn't know if it was cops or if it was the guy, and it was really creepy. And, like, Chris, like, slept with a switchblade by his So bed. scary, It dude. was so scary. But, like, that's what runs through my head is, like, this is the night that I'm going to get kidnapped, and this is when that story begins. I think about that. A lot. Like, if I come home and Anthony's not home from work or he's yeah. out of town or whatever, I'm always so wary of I check anyone. every corner. Well, house. I'm very wary of anyone who's watching me come home alone and yes. watching me go into my apartment. Because yes. I'm like, they they don't know that there's no one in my apartment, but what they're seeing is a single woman going into her apartment by yep. herself. Yep. And it's so it's like they could make the assumption that I'm by myself. And, and like, if her. they watch you enough, they get to know your routine. routines. Mm-hmm. Like, I get home from work around the same time every day. Yeah. They know what apartment I live in, et yeah. cetera, et they cetera. Don't know, they don't know if Anthony's in or out. They can watch to see That one it. handyman saw me naked that one time. <laughs> Just saying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to our story time bonus episode. There you go. Okay, so... They take her, they keep her in the house. They've, uh, Melodia has raped her, not they. So only Melodia has raped Franca. I mean, that still sucks. Yes, but, <laughs> but I said it specifically because Melodia thinks he's going to get away with this. Yeah. Because there was a centuries-old tradition, and I might say this wrong, so forgive me, but it's called Matrimonio Reparatore, which is... Matrimonio reparatore. I'm so sorry, Italy. Which is, which stands for rehabilitating marriage, and so it's like they broke up and they're trying to like make things work. So by having sex with her, he's like making it work. Not quite. So she she was a virgin because she was unmarried. So at this time in this area of Italy, you did not have sex outside of marriage. So she was 16. Was she 17? Don't know. I have to check that. But, so she was a virgin, and there was this old tradition, there was this law, according to Article 544 of the Italian Criminal Code, sexual violence was considered an offense against morals, not against the person. 
So it was a moral, like, it was like a sin. It was like a moral right. crime. Right, right. So any girl who suffered the disgrace of losing her virginity, suffered the disgrace of losing her virginity, had little choice. She either submitted to a reparation marriage, so marrying your rapist, to restore her honor, um, or she faced a future of being, sh- like, shunned as, and being a spinster because no one, she was a dishonored woman, essentially. How, okay, you were raped, it's your mm-hmm. fault, yep. you have to marry this yep. person. yep. You have to marry your rapist. What the actual? Yeah, exactly. Fuck. So he thought he could get away with this. Yeah, he's be- like, oh well, I had sex with you, so now you have to marry me. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, and his and mind. if if she did marry him, which in most of these cases that's they what did. the women do because, because they want to stay with their families. Yeah, they feel and they like don't want to be dishonorable. Yeah, they feel like they don't have any choice. So if she did marry him, his crime. He couldn't be prosecuted. Yeah. It would be excused. His yeah. crime would be excused. Because, like, marital rape wasn't a thing until, like, 20 years ago. Right, yeah. She was a damaged woman, essentially. Yeah. So, and in parts of the con- uh, country, in parts of the world, this is still a thing that happens. Like, you oh, are forced to so. marry your rapist. Yeah. It happens a lot in parts of the world. So, um, he totally thought that he was going to get away with this. Yeah. Um, Franca's father... He managed to get a hold of her rapist, Melodia, and... So, did he know that Melodia had Franca? He, I think he figured... Just kind of, it was like a... It was, yeah. yeah. He'd been threatening them, and he did break into the house with, like, all That's the men. True. So, That's they true. probably saw him. Well, and there was the eight-year-old. Hopefully, the eight-year-old Right, made probably it home. said something. He yeah. did. He made it home. Good. Um, so, he got in touch with them. Yeah. And basically played it up, like... Yeah, totally. My daughter would be so disgraced if you didn't marry her. So if you just let her go, um, I will totally, like, she'll get married to you. Yeah. But all the while... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. But all the while, he was working really closely with the police. I'm not even going to try and say their Italian name. But the police were, like, on board with, like, we don't want to make... Right, because they were saying that she was kidnapped. So they're like, all right, well, we're going to try and and get her back. So they, the police were planning this dragnet operation to try and pull her out. Yeah. Um, So on January 2nd, 1966, Franca was released after eight days. Over a week, she had spent in this house with all of these people. Yeah. With her rapist and all these men. So she was released, and her kidnappers were arrested. As expected, Melodia offered Viola a um, matrimonio rip- riparatore. Mm-hmm. Unexpectedly, she flatly refused. Mm-hmm. And not only that... He was like, wait, but your dad said... Well, and, <laughs> and like, women just didn't do that. Like, yeah. because no one wanted to live with that shame. Yeah. So it was just, like, just endure marriage to this... Enduring marriage to your rapist was seen as preferable yeah. to dealing with the kind of like, shame you were going to experience. Uh, totally. Yeah. yeah. So she refused, and even more unexpectedly, her family and friends firmly supported her, which usually your family would wow. be encouraging you to, yeah. like, just accept the marriage because it's shame on us, too. I was just going to say, I feel like that's the only way that these things change is when people who are close to the person that this happens to doesn't go along with it. You right. know what I mean? Yes, yeah, because it would have been hard as a teenage girl to 
do this without the support of your parents, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, if they were, if your mom was telling you, like, no, you're bringing, like, dishonor then onto our family. Then she would be shunned. She wouldn't have any if, support. Yeah, we're going to kick you out be, of our house yeah. if, you, if you don't marry him. Yeah. So she pressed ahead and she took him to court. Love it. And took the kidnappers to court for kidnapping, carnal violence, and intimidation. So she was now considered a woman without honor. So yeah. her family was now subjected to the, from the town. Yeah. Uh, with death threats, intimidation. At one point, they had their their vineyard and their cottage burned down, or maybe a barn. Who knows? <laughs> but they, now I get your reference. One Kenan. of those things <laughs> of the was things burned was down, burned, or all of those. But things. basically, like their property was right. was burned to the ground. They were harassed constantly. Which, can you fucking imagine harassing a family whose child was kidnapped and raped and being like... I mean, honestly, it doesn't shock me just because I I know so much about that kind of stuff and I listen to so much of that kind of stuff and read about so much of it where it's like... Um, I mean, I'll tell you about this off air, about a podcast I was listening to where they were talking about, like, the appearance and how, like, that changes how you victimize a person. Yeah. And this this girl's really, like, beautiful, too. But, I, I, but think... I mean, it's the same kind of thing where it's, like, it doesn't matter if she was, like, raped, if there's still those, like, moral standpoints. Like, people will twist it well, into something else. And I think that there is so much fear. Yeah. People have a lot of fear about traditions changing. Yeah. Or losing their way of life. Yeah. And if And if they see it as a threat to their way of life or, like, you're modernizing in a way that makes them scared or uncomfortable, then it's irrational in some ways that they will f- fight to protect the most insane I mean, things. also, I feel like with people who may have been coping from the same thing themselves. Right. Or that like, I had to way... deal with it. Why do you get to say no? Well, and it could also just be one of those things, too, where it's like, yeah, what you said, plus... Um, like, you start to really believe it yourself that what you right. did was the right thing. So right. the fact that somebody else wasn't agreeing to it was, like, unbelievable right. to you. You have to reevaluate your entire worldview. Exactly. View. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Melodia's attorneys tried to pre- portray um, their defendant as a man who was sick with love. He just loved her so much. Yeah. And that they went away together willingly. Yeah. And apparently, there's a word for it. There's an Italian word for it. This was a thing that young couples would do. Like, if their parents didn't consent to their marriage, they Elope. would use... they would <laughs> Well, kind of. They would use this law as a loophole yeah. by running off together, yeah. having sex, and then coming back to their parents and being like, well, we had sex, so now we have to get married. Oh. Because because otherwise it brings dishonor, dishonor. onto onto yeah. you guys. So you dishonor have to dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. <laughs> Name that movie. Well, it's ding, a very ding, 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 ding. Disney heavy episode. <laughs> it is. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to like. No. I didn't mean to like make light of that situation. No, but not you at say all. dishonor. I Mulan. In my I know. Head. I do too. That's what goes through my head too. <laughs> but so. Yeah, I mean, so there was this thing that happened. There was this kind of cultural thing that young people would do where they mm-hmm. would run away together, have sex, come back, and and use this law to get married. So his defense team tried to be like, that's what they were doing. Yeah. There were two young people in love who, like, and now now she's ashamed that she did that. Mm. So she's saying that he, he raped her or was, like, violent with her. If she was so ashamed, she probably would have just married him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so in, in, but okay, here's what it is. In, in their version of events, their romance was thwarted by Viola's father. So he's pressuring her now to say. Viola? 
uh, that's her last name, Franca Viola. Oh, okay, got it. So yeah, um, Franca's father, father is now pressuring her to say that she didn't want to be with him and he raped her. That's that's okay. their version of events. Okay. So Viola, uh, Franca took the stand mm-hmm. in court wow. and said, I will marry the man I love, uh, which was kind of really, really like powerful like she got on the stand and was just like I won't marry you like I don't love you and you raped me I didn't go with you willingly which was a really really big thing to do already your family's receiving so much hate well and also because you know that the odds are not in your favor of the jury or whatever is going to be. Right, because you. you're you're bucking tradition like yeah. hard. But this kind of cemented her in um Italy at the time because I guess northern Italy was having a little bit of a um like northern Italy was modernizing right. and southern Italy wasn't. But but because of that, because northerners, northern northern Italians, they definitely looked at southern Italians as being kind of like like regressive hillbillies. Well, uh, you said too that this is a very small town, like mm-hmm. not a lot of people, so that right. that makes sense. Yeah, they looked at them as being kind of like regressive and these laws were archaic. Yeah. And so she became kind of like a feminist icon by yeah. like standing on on getting on the stand and being like not today. Most definitely. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to do that. So in May of 1967, uh, Melodia was found guilty and sentenced to 11 years in prison. Doesn't seem wait, like guilty enough. of what? Um, oh wait, 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 wait. When you said Melodia, I was thinking of Franca. My I know bad. it gets confusing. Yeah, her attacker was found guilty. He was sentenced to 11 years in prison, which is not enough. You're right. Right. Seven of his accomplices received four-year sentences for kidnapping a girl, and what about, five what about the other five of them no charges. No charges. Um, Melodia was released from prison in 1976, Mm-mm. and he was banished from Sicily for his mob ties, and then he was murdered two years later for, I mean, like, mafia ties. I mean... Karma. He had it coming. He did have it coming. Um, in December of 1968, Franca Viola wed Giuseppe, <laughs> and he stayed, he stayed by her side through that entire... Thing. That's amazing, right? too. Whenever, I'm sure, probably members of his family was like, uh-uh, uh-huh. like she's damaged goods, yeah. you need to get out while you can. Right. You know, he was just like, I'm... It would have been so much easier for him to just right. walk away. Yeah, I'm sure he received so much shit yeah. for that. So, but he stuck by her through the entire wow. thing, and when it was done, they got married when she was like 20. So, <laughs> um, when they got married, the Italian president sent $40, which would be around $300 today, oh. as a wedding present. The oh. Italian pres- uh, president did. And the country's transport minister gave the newlyweds a month of free railway wa- rides. Oh. And the couple had two sons, and they still live in Alcamo. Article, oh, my God. They're still around today? They, yes, they're still around, and they live in the same town. Like oh. They were like, we're staying here. We're not going anywhere. This is like... The fairy tale. Yeah, I mean, this is the best case scenario to come out of something so fucking terrible. Yes! But, listen to this. Article 554, which was the the article that allowed that that mandatory marriage, allowing a rapist to marry his victim for reparation, was finally repealed in 1981. Wow! So... That's a long time after this case. Yeah. 1965 to 1981. Yeah. That's how long it took to repeal this shit. Wow. Um, I'm sure she has something to do with that, too. I'm sure. I mean, she was maybe not the first, but definitely the biggest case. Yeah. 
the case that got the most media attention uh, that really like put the spotlight on the fact that this was happening. And that's amazing because it was such a small town that yeah. she got so yeah. much attention. And it well, it probably didn't hurt that she she is like really beautiful. I'll show you a picture. Yeah. Um. I mean, they say it helps. It, I absolutely. As I mean, sad if, as it is, as sad as it is, this is a fact we all know. Yeah. Even in especially like in this country, it's just like if you are a beautiful white woman in particular. Yep. And you get murdered. Oh my god! Like. That is a, yeah. like, media circus. Your story will be yeah. told forever. Yeah. So, I mean, this this story with uh, Franca actually got, like, worldwide coverage. Yeah. For That's why I'm surprised that none of us have heard of her, but I think it was yeah. like a flash in the pan, like, worldwide coverage. So, in 2014, Franca Viola was awarded the title of... God, please bear with me. She was awarded the title of Grande Oficial del Ordin al Merito de la República. You don't say. <laughs> by uh, President Giorgio uh, Napolitano in a public ceremony to mark International Women's Day. So she she was honored for International Women's Day in 2014. Oh my God! Look at a picture of her as an old lady. I know. I saw her old lady oh. picture. So cute. I every time we talk about people, it's the first thing we have to do is like look them up. Yeah. She really is a very unique beauty. Very yeah. Italian. Yes, yes, yes. But so yeah, she's like. <gasps> There's a movie. Stunning. Yeah, and there were like two movies. This is who I am and I'm not sorry. There were like two or three movies. In Italy, she's a big deal. Like there yeah. were like two or three movies that were based on her life. Wow. Yeah. So, um just amazing and that was one that I I came across when I was looking for unique yeah, feminist stories That's that I've amazing. never heard of because it is so hard to break with tradition. It's so hard to break with family values. Yeah. It's so hard to break with religious ties or things uh -huh. that are tied to things like that. And it can be really intimidating, especially when you're a young girl. So it's incredible that she yeah. was able to stand up for herself. And I also love the show of solidarity from her family that they were yeah. just like, you know what? We care about, we care about our fucking daughter. Like we don't, yeah. and we care about what she went through. Like, and we that's don't care sometimes about... what it takes where you mm -hmm. can be, you can think of things a certain way. And then when it happens to your family, like, you know, it shouldn't take that. But sometimes when something happens to your family, it's like when men say, well, I have a daughter now, so mm -hmm. I feel this way. But what a testament to her yeah. family though, because I mean, look, her little brother didn't let go of her. Le like he yeah. tried to stay he was with like, her. Fuck you guys. Yeah. yeah. In the midst of something that was probably really scary for him as yeah. an eight year old boy, you can imagine he would have been like wanting to hide under the bed or something and he was like you know Most what definitely. I'm gonna try and protect my sister that's amazing you know so yeah Franca you know, do Franca we know Viola. what happened to her brother no I don't know anything about what happened to her brother I mean he's he's a hero as all well. of all the articles I read essentially had the exact had that story they had yeah. the exact same story where that is an amazing story Keegan. yeah it's incredible like, that is amazing and I'm definitely gonna do what I can to know more about it yes are you feeling down because when you rewatch your favorite movie from your childhood, you start to notice some troubling aspects? Are you bothered by the sexism, racism, and homophobia in your favorite movies? Are you wondering whether or not it's still cool to watch and enjoy those things? Well, we have a podcast for you to help you work through all those feelings. Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're the hosts of our new podcast called Your Fave is Problematic. We're going to take all of the pop culture things you love and dive into them and decide if we still love them or not. Available every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you there.
tell me about your person. Mine is way more lighthearted. Oh, good. <laughs> it's like fucking. I'm glad you went second. Positive sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Good stuff. So I am going to be talking about Catherine Hepburn, and no. Not the Catherine Hepburn that you are all thinking. Not that Catherine Hepburn. Not that Catherine Hepburn. Her mother. (laughs) Her mother is Catherine Martha Houghton Hepburn. Can I say also that I, even though it made it very hard for you to do research, which I totally get, I kind of love it when women name their kids after them. Like, when I watched Gilmore Girls, which I'm Uh obsessed with Gilmore Girls, I love that show. Probably time for another rewatch of that show. You should um, listen to. I did I tell you about that podcast? Your fave is problematic. Don't I? I don't want to. I know. No, they do a whole episode on Gilmore Girls, which you I, probably I love. know that it's problematic. I know that it has problematic. I, I know, but that doesn't mean you can't like it. We talked about this before. Um, Sorry, continue. But Lorelai, there's Lorelai and Rory. Yeah, and whenever Rory is like, "Well, my name is Lorelai too." Yeah. And she just goes by Rory, and she's like, well, my mom figured guys do it all the time. Like, yeah. they, they name their kids after themselves yeah. all the time. Well, it's, so we're going to learn that Catherine Hepburn, the actress, both of her parents are very much feminists. And so Catherine Martha Houghton Hepburn <laughs> married, or married, named her daughter Catherine Hepburn, and then their father, I believe, named, yes, named their firstborn son after him as well. So they both did it. Like little minis. Little minis. So she was born on February 2nd, 1878 in Buffalo, New York. Her family and friends called her Kit. I love that. I do too. She is the daughter of Caroline and Alfred Houghton, a member of the Houghton family of Corning Incorporated Glassworks. All right, so she was born into some money. I mean, yeah. Some East Coast money. Yeah, well, you know, and that's the thing that I I wish I had more uh, information about her because I feel like she did come from a bit of a, like, privileged background. This is during, um, you know, she's during, like, the suffragette movement, Mm -hmm. but also part of, like, as we'll read, um, part of the whole movement of birth control and things like that. So we know that the beginning of feminism was not the most inclusive. Right. So in today's standards, you know, it's not ideal, but in her day and age... Gotta work with what we got. Exactly. So, Kit had two younger sisters, Edith and Marion. When the family wasn't in Buffalo, they were either in Hamburg, New York, or Corning, New York, for family business. The Houghton family was very conservative and part of the Episcopal Church, Mm -hmm. except for Caroline and Alfred, who were progressive free thinkers. So Caroline and Alfred are Catherine's parents. Okay. Okay. So she, this reminds me of my family a lot, which I've talked about on the podcast, where Uh I come from a lot of very conservative family. My mom and dad are not conservative. So it kind of reminds me of that. They were raised to like, to believe that they should get a a quality education. They should be free thinkers to challenge what their parents teach them, to challenge what their teachers teach them. And um, really kind of like, they were like raising them to be these very forward thinking people. Mm -hmm. Oh, they also had... Uh, a lot of agnostic ideas. Okay. So very original for the time. Yeah. In 1882, Kit's father committed suicide, leaving her mother, Caroline, to raise three girls. Oh, man. Yeah. And not long after, Caroline was diagnosed with stomach cancer, and she died in 1894. Jesus Christ, how old was Kit? Well, okay, so her mom... You told me this was (laughs) lighthearted. You promised lighthearted, Madigan. I haven't looked over my notes in a while. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so... 
Ke- so Kevin's father died in 1882. Her mother died 12 years later. So she's okay. not like what year was she? She's born? not a baby. She's no. What year? She was born in '78. So her father died when she was like five, and her mom died when she was like twelve, 12 years later. Thank, so yeah, that would have been she would have been like seventeen. So before Caroline's death, her mother, just in case y'all forgot, she instilled the importance of college education to her daughters on the grounds of being independent and pursue their own aspirations. Caroline's brother, Amory. Believed women should attend finishing school, not college. Oh, man. Amory. Yeah. Sir. But, sir, but Catherine was determined to attend college. So Amory was kind of the guy that was, like, taking care of the kids when um, when her parents died, when Caroline died. But Catherine was also, like, 17 at the time. So she was yeah, about like, that age. Of, she's like, bye, I'm going to college. So she graduated from Pennsylvania's Bryn Mawr College in 1899 with an A.B. in history and political science. The following year, she earned her master's degree in chemistry and physics. So girl fucking smart. Yeah. <laughs> Very smart. She then briefly attended Boston's Radcliffe College. Kit's sisters, Marion and Edith, received degrees from Bryn Mawr as well. Fun fact, that's also where Katherine Hepburn, the actress, got her God, just degree. Ch- check out the big brains on the Hepburn girls, Oh, yeah, right? they, right? they're very smart. So let's talk a, a little bit about politics. Hepburn became interested in the suffrage movement and co-founded the Hartford Equal Franchise League in 1909. The following year, this organization absorbed into the Connecticut Women's Suffrage Association and became a branch of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. As president of the... Connecticut Women's Suffrage Association, or the CWSA, mm-hmm. Hepburn represented the state of Connecticut as part of a 1913 deputation that met with President Woodrow Wilson to, quote, seek some expression of the president of his attitude on the women's suffrage question. So she um, was educated enough and ballsy enough to, like, basically go up against the president. I'm going to kind of go a little bit into her personal life because I just referred to her as Hepburn. So, Kit met Thomas Norville Hepburn in 1903. Norville. Norville. <laughs> Such Tom- an old school name. Old timey. Thomas Norville. <laughs> um, he was a medical student at John Hopkins. He uh, specialized in urology. Okay. And so I feel like that's very, like, I think he dealt a lot with women and, like, women's issues issues like physically so i I wonder if like that kind of gave him because he was like a very forward-thinking person and so i feel like that well that would only do for Catherine. yeah she would have to be a a forward-thinking man i think exactly so they were married on none of this amory bullshit right fuck you amory (laughs) they were married june 6 1904 and moved to hartford connecticut where thomas completed his residency specializing in urology as i said so, let's go back to politics. <clears throat> I did him to cover a burp. In 1917, she resigned as CWSA president, calling the organization an old-fashioned, calling it old-fashioned and supine. Oh. So she's like, okay. She's like, yeah, I'm president and all, but like, y'all are too old-fashioned for me. <laughs> and I'm also, way too fancy words. Sup- and supine. <laughs> You are too old-fashioned and supine. All right. She then joined Alice Paul and the National Women's Party. As we talked about in our second wave episode, go back and listen to that if you have any questions about Alice Paul. Thank you, Keegan. You're welcome. Um, Which was, so the National Women's Party was a suffrage organization with a very uh, aggressive reputation. 
like, I like that. Like Keegan said, go back to our second wave episode. I like my ladies aggressive. I like them real aggressive. <laughs> Alice Paul recalled Hepburn as the unquestioned leader of the suffragists in Connecticut. <laughs> you know, she's like, asterisk that shit, because... It's like, ellipses <laughs> in Connecticut. She was then elected legislative chairman of the organization's National Executive Committee. Uh, so the 19th Amendment was ratified in 1920, and um, the members of the Democratic Party actually asked her to run for U.S. Senate. And she was like, nah, even though Thomas, her husband, was like, you should do it. Like, you would be great at this. She was like, no, I don't, I don't really wish to do that. Eh. I don't want to do it. So she no thanks. Sounds like a lot of work. That'd yeah, be me. I'd be like, I'm good. I'm good. I think I've done enough. <laughs> well, she hadn't done enough, and she knows she hadn't done enough. Um, so she becomes very involved in birth control advocacy. So Hepburn allied herself with Socialist Party USA member and International Workers of the World organizer Margaret Sanger. Mm-hmm. Together, they founded the American Birth Control League, which would evolve into Planned Parenthood. It is bizarre to me that her daughter, being who she was, mm-hmm. that we don't talk more about Catherine Hepburn Sr. because she was just right there arm in arm with all the other members of the yeah. like but i think it's also because maybe because of them having the same name that it's kind of a weird um thing where people just kind of forget or move over it and Catherine Hepburn Jr if that's what you would call her had her own very like unique set of um kind of like feminist Right, she pushed the boundaries in other ways. Right, thank you. And yeah. I was originally going to do Catherine Hepburn, the movie star. Right. And then I started learning about her mom, and I was like, well, I know nothing about her mom. Right, She well, so, yeah, because Catherine Hepburn, the movie star, isn't really forgotten. Like, her yeah. feminism has had such a lasting impact on popular culture. Very much. So, um, And by the yeah. way, sorry, I just want to give a quick, quick correction. I think earlier, when I was talking about Alice Paul, I may have said... Listen to our second wave episode. Listen to our first wave episode. Yeah. Not our second wave episode. I probably said the same thing. My bad. So, 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 so. Hepburn was elected chair of Sanger's National Committee on Federal Legislation for Birth Control. In her autobiography, Sanger said of Hepburn, in her long public career, she had learned great efficiency, and she never let our witnesses run overtime. Just as we were swinging along briskly, she inevitably tugged at a coat and passed over a slip time up in one minute. So I feel like that's just funny how that's what she's remembered for, for just being super, like, on top of everybody's shit. Well, I mean, and Catherine Hepburn Jr. is kind of remembered as being this, like, ball buster in Hollywood, and it seems like she probably got that from her mom. Like, her mom was, like, a little no-nonsense when it comes to just, like, them's the rules, honey. In 1934, Hepburn and Sanger and Congressman Walter Marcus Pierce, I went to high school with a Marcus Pierce, was just made me really happy. Was your middle name Walter? Are (laughs) you a was his, Walter was his first name, so I guess. Oh, okay, fine, whatever. All right, so, and Congressman Walter Marcus Pierce met with the House Judiciary... Marcus Pierce went <laughs> with the House Judiciary Committee in Washington, D.C. on behalf of the bill, which would allow doctors to give contraceptive information to their patients, which we've talked about. You couldn't even give information to your patients about birth control or talk to them about their options, so... Hepburn, Sanger, and Walter Marcus Pierce all went to kind of help make that happen. By this time, her daughter Catherine was an established movie star, and Catholic radio priest Charles Coughlin was rallying against the bill, and the press dubbed the event Radio Father versus Movie Ma. 
Ugh, right? I don't like that at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't and see. Like, I hate that. Like, whenever someone in your orbit becomes famous, then all you ever are is just a like extension of that famous person. Like, right? You, ha- I would be so pissed. I'd be like, I love my daughter, but I would still be so pissed. I'd be like, I've been working. I went to fucking college. I have like six degrees, <laughs> and I've been working as a feminist and suffragette, and yeah. like on these issues forever and you've boiled me down to, to a movie, movie star ma? ma? Yeah, and I feel like, you know, they're saying radio father and I feel like people knew of it enough to know that, like, it was a priest and if you're going up against somebody of, like, high religious stature in what you're, like, the 30s, right? Let me double check. It was, like, 19... Yeah, probably Yeah, it was 1934. Yeah. So that is a big no-no. And if he was, like, famous on the radio... Right, like, and that she's another an thing. That's actress, like, which was also seen as kind of this, like... Well, and seedy. Catherine Hepburn was not your typical actress, mm-hmm. either. So it's kind of like, oh, they have the same name. They must just both be, like, these hoodlums or whatever, you know? So speaking of her kids, she raised six children. That's too many. She I'm raised six children. That's just a... It's a lot. It's a lot, you know? But, you know, do what you gotta do. And back in those days, it wasn't that many. And some people yeah. just like having kids, man. Yeah, you know, you do you. Yeah. I, I know somebody who was like on her fourth right now. Yeah, I've got friends who have four. That's bonkers yeah. to me. I mean, no judgment here. More power to you, man, but I couldn't do Honestly, it. Honestly, you got a lot of strength. Like, there, I have a friend here who has five, and I'm like, and nope. she loves it. She wanted yeah. to have that many, and I'm like, I'm just, you are the most selfless person I've ever met. No, I I'm, would. I'm tired thinking about five children uh, right now. Agreed. So, the House committee rejected the bill that was about giving contraceptive information to their patients. But Time magazine published an article noting the success of Hepburn and Sanger birth control propaganda and yielding favorable local results for its cause. Even though the bill didn't get passed, they still made, like, a really lasting impression on people. Mm -hmm. They still kind of became, obviously, very famous for this. And this movement just continued and continued. Hepburn was an avid public speaker and gave numerous speeches to cities on the East Coast, including Carnegie Hall. I love women who don't shut up. Like, that's, like, my favorite. Oh, God. Like, I, this I woman say says that, she doesn't shut up. I say that, and then I'm, I think about myself, and I'm like, fuck. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess same for me. <laughs> yeah. But I just love women who are just like, nah, I'm just going to go talk about this anyway. Yeah. Even if it, like, Well, and I think they had a lot of people that wanted to hear it, you know? Yeah. Her speeches were not always popular. At times, bricks or rocks would be thrown at the Hepburn house. Nevertheless, she remained active in reform movements for the rest of her life. Sometimes I wonder about, like, people getting so upset. Like, I cannot imagine being so upset about something like contraceptives that I would throw a brick through someone's window. Well, because we're not part of that world anymore but i mean i'm I'm sure there are still parts of the world i mean i think about my why but why i know keegan because people don't understand it so i went to a catholic elementary slash middle school we got like the talk in fifth grade where they split the boys and the girls up and they talked about stuff but like honestly there was no for my talk i don't remember there really being much talk about sex it was more about our period but i know the guys got a sex talk right like we got and a it's period not talk about saying. right and it's not about wear a condom it's about abstinence right and that's how i grew up too but but, the but thing this is, was but this but this is when we were this is when we were younger but right. think about it back in those days especially if if some 
Catholic priest has the power to create this whole like radio father versus movie ma kind of thing. I think there's still a lot of again, like what you said earlier, these like homegrown American values, right? And you get where, scared of things changing. That, exactly. that has to be what it and is. And I think that it's like you don't want sin to be brought, whether no matter what religion you are, yeah, you don't I mean, want sin to I, be brought. Into I totally your get it. Area. I get it on that plane as far as like and having grown up very Christian, I totally get. I get it that mm-hmm. you think it's it's wrong or sinful, et cetera, to, to be on birth control or whatever, contraceptives. But the thing is, that's that person's sin. And why would you think that Because throwing... they believe that it's it's tainting the world but by throwing... getting that information. Because, honestly... because doctors are then giving their patients the option. So if this young girl comes in saying she's pregnant, they say... What would you like to do? Here are your options. They don't right, want but, to be giving people the options. we're not even talking options. about abortions, though. We're talking about contraceptive pills. Right. And to me, it's like, I, I get it. I understand because that people, people are just shitty. Because a lot of people believe that that is I, like I get that the people same thing. are just shitty. Like, I understand that. But it's also like, throwing a brick through someone's window is the same thing that I used to think about whenever I lived in Springfield and in downtown. There would be people with signs that are just basically like, um... And trigger warning again, but, like, they would have signs that literally say, like, f***s are going to hell. Like, if you're an unmarried woman, you're, or if you're a divorced woman, you're this or that with, like, and I always wondered, like, and this is when I was very religious even, I always wondered, like, who are you winning over to Christ with these messages? You're not. Throwing a brick through someone's window to try and stop them from using contraceptives isn't bringing them to Christ. You know what I mean? Not at all. It's not stopping them from sinning. But they're trying to scare them into not speaking yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's so stupid. No, okay, it's anyway. completely, it's complete bullshit. So she was a socialist sympathizer and considered herself a Marxist. Her daughter also once described her mother as a communist, which is, you know, probably not very smart well, during but, that but, time. Yeah, it's not smart during the blacklisting area, area, blacklisting era, but communism wasn't always a bad word, still isn't in some ways. I mean, Angela Davis is a communist. Yeah. A lot of people Well, are we communists. have a different idea, I think, a little bit of communism now because it doesn't have as much, like, uh, heat around it anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't weigh as heavily as it did during, like, the blacklisting era or, like, the Red Scare. Right. We're not really in that anymore, and we're more, I feel like, as a whole, willing to learn about well, it. Well, communism as a principle isn't, is, fine. is not a bad, yeah. like... You know, I think with socialism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, as we get older, I feel we understand more and more about the actual meaning behind these yeah, things yeah, totally. instead of just being judgmental. Yeah, but yeah, you definitely, it probably you wasn't know. good for Catherine Hepburn either because she definitely lived through that. Like the, well, and I think era. she probably said that she, too to be yeah. like, yeah, my mom's a communist. What you gonna do about it? I mean, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't. But to me, it's kind of like she's, I would assume is very proud of her mom. She had very similar views. We should cover McCarthyism and what that was really like. Yeah. Because it destroyed people's lives. I agree. I completely agree. So more more about Ms. Catherine Houghton Hepburn. She enjoyed political debate, current events, Russian history, specifically the Bolshevik Revolution, the works of Shakespeare and Bernard Shaw and golf. Literally, most of those are things where I'm like, yep. Like That's so, yeah. Minus political golf. debates, yeah. Uh, current events, yes. Russian history, specifically the Bolshevik Revolution, fascinating. Fuck yeah. The works of Shakespeare, obviously. Bernard Shaw, give it, give it to me. Golf, no, no. You yeah, lost me. you lost me at golf. You lost me. She preferred plays to movies. Her daughter Catherine once said it was quote curious 
that fate gave her a movie queen daughter. That's cute. She was like, I like plays. None of this... None of these talkies. She's also for an me. old lady. Like old old yeah. people like all the old shit. You know what I mean? I mean, well, it's funny too because um, the kid that I nanny for says the same thing. He's like, "I'd rather see a play." I'm like, that's I feel sweet. It. I feel you, dude. So, Catherine died unexpectedly of a cerebral hemorrhage in March of 1951 at age 73. Her legacy. One of the quotes that she's famous for that I love is, "Don't regret your daily chores. They are what keep you from going insane." As much as I hate chores, because I absolutely hate chores, it is part of self-care. I was just going to say that. Not in the same way that, like, doing a face mask is self-care, but it's taking care of your... Like, you do genuinely feel better, or at least I do, when when, when your house is clean. Oh, yeah. So, 1988, Planned Parenthood Federation of America established the Catherine Houghton Hepburn Fund, which provides emergency funds for the cause of reproductive rights. Yay! 1994... Hepburn was indicted into the Connecticut Women's Hall of Fame and included in the field of, quote, reformers. Get it, girl. Yeah. 2006, her alma mater, Bryn Mawr, opened the Catherine Houghton Hepburn Center in honor of both of the Catherines. Yay! The center inspires Bryn Mawr students and graduates to make a meaningful impact on the world. That was lovely. Think, see, I'm telling you, like, yeah, the parents dying, it sucks, but it's like any Disney movie. Um, yeah. Which is like our second theme. Out of, of the episode. ashes, you know, of adversity. Yeah. Well, and the thing is that she was also old enough, and we we talked about Amory. You know, I, I that to me, I didn't even remember that part of the story, and if people like latched onto it. She's like, I'm old enough to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I'm 17. Get I'm gonna out get of a my co- face. scholarship at King's yeah, College. Get the I'm fuck like, out of my face. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see the go into all day. a I'm Hamilton sorry. rap. Um, Uh, um, No, but I think that I'm glad that you did her because it's a shame. I don't want to say it's a shame that her daughter is remembered more than her because I love Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And to me, she is a feminist icon and an idol and and all of those things. And I'm and I'm so happy that she existed in my life. Yeah. But I feel like both of them should have been equally famous. And it's one of those things. I feel like it's also part of the name thing. They kind yeah, of have molded into, into the each same. Other. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, again, I did pages of research on Katherine Hepburn, the actress. Mm-hmm. And I started just kind of like reading bits and pieces about her mom. And I was like, these are all things that I really don't know much about. And it's true. And my friend Lauren, who kind of like, I was thinking about people that I wanted to talk about. She loves Katherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. the actress. And I was telling her, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do her like, her mom this week. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know anything about her. And she's a yeah. huge Catherine Hepburn fan. And, like, well, it's yeah, nothing against her, but it's just that we don't talk about it. And well, people know who Margaret Sanger is and Alice Paul are. If you were, gonna, if you were going to try and do research on your own or, like, if you were – because what happens to me is I will oftentimes fall down rabbit holes uh-huh. and, and, like, run into people. It's less likely to happen with someone like Catherine Hepburn Sr., yeah. Because she has the same name spelled the same way as her daughter. So yeah. it's less likely to just pop up in a search. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you look up Catherine Houghton Hepburn, and a lot of times the actress will right, come up. Right, because Google is p- pulling up Catherine and Hepburn. Like, yeah. all the, like, that's what it's pulling up. And that's yeah. what most of 95% of the images or articles are exactly. going to be about. Exactly. You know, so. Which, you know, if, if anything, if Catherine Hepburn, the actress, has brought you anywhere to feminism and you've at least heard about her mom because I feel like it's mentioned like oh she had a feminist mom you're like oh then it makes sense for why she is the way that she is you know we can only hope that each generation becomes 
better and and evolves into something different. So I feel like, you know, I feel like she wouldn't be bitter and be like, oh, where's my... No, I don't think you so know, at Dana's all. Probably, I think she would have like, been proud of her daughter, you know? I think like, she was incredibly proud of her daughter. I think she was... It sounds like she was a little critical because she's like, I like plays... Well, um, yeah, I but mean, like, <laughs> but you can be proud and also not like I know that my mom doesn't listen to this like every episode right. of this podcast, right? But she's but still she's, very proud. And of you. in fact, I talked to her um, the other day, and she was just like, "I think it's really good for you," and I'm yeah. like, and she's proud of me for doing it. So exactly, it's one of those. You things. don't have to have the same interest to be proud. And right, I think yeah. that for me, if I had a daughter who was very feminist in whatever the feminist movement is going to be years from now. And very you maybe involved. don't understand it entirely, well, but maybe you're I, like, that's well, great. <laughs> but it's also like, it's something that that is so important to me that even if I'm still fighting the fight for what we're working on right now and she's 10 steps ahead of me, I'm so proud of her for being 10 steps ahead of me. Right, like you maybe, I, and who knows if this is the case or not, but just as an example, like maybe Catherine... Hepburn Sr. didn't care about wearing pants or not. Like, maybe that didn't matter to her. But it mattered to Catherine Hepburn, the younger, and it well, was a and big And we'll deal. learn more about her, too. She was yeah. very much a tomboy. She, even, I think she went wanted to be called Jimmy or something when she was little. I can't remember off the top of my head, but she's very fascinating. Yeah, so. I love I love her, and I yeah. love that you, you covered her mom. And I love that we did this. I know we had talked about wanting to do a second volume of Forgotten Feminist Faves because yeah. we always do these things where we're like, well, this is volume one. And then yeah. we just have never done a volume two. Yeah, I think so, it's important to go back. Yeah, I love that because there are so many. Like, that's the thing is like, if you really start looking into who are feminists that I've never heard of before, they are everywhere and they deserve to be acknowledged yeah. and talked I've about. I've thought of a few even just during mm-hmm. our conversation yeah. where there's people in my life that I've uh, admired that I've never realized are these like kind of feminist icons. Right, or like they've these maybe never been given that label. Yeah. You know? Or people who came up against this kind of like crazy adversity and managed to yep. like overcome it or overturn laws or, yeah. you know, whatever. So I'm really happy that we did this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Yeah. If you have any like, um, I'm sorry, dude, do you have anything else? No, that's okay. it. No, I closed my book. I'm done. I'm good. If, if you guys have any additional information about either one of these amazing women that maybe we and didn't I know And I do about, know that I left out a lot because a lot of it has to do with Katherine Hepburn Jr. Right. Life. Okay, yeah. So I know there's going to be stuff about my story that's, like, left out because Katherine Hepburn, the movie star's story, is kind of melds into right of course one. yeah it's her mom like so, those, their lives aware. would intersect the stuff with their kids that i didn't talk about There's but, that but do stuff, but. like send us an email like let us know or again like i said earlier if there are other feminists that you feel like don't get recognized enough yeah. that you want people to know about their lives or the amazing things that they've done mm-hmm. please send us an email because it's fascinating to us we like reading that stuff yeah. too um and you know send us any sister solidarity stories you have any just, yeah we've gotten a few this we week did. which we makes me so happy me keep them coming yeah so just anything that you want to tell us about or talk to us about definitely email us yep. at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com uh, get us on social media we're trying to be better about about posting more often it had been a kind of a crazy couple of weeks with us being yeah. out of town I did really good while you were out of town I mm-hmm. posted pretty much every day while you were out of town and then when I was out of town it was you know a shit show but I've been I think I posted every day this week um yeah we've yeah we've posted every day this week so yeah. yeah we're doing our best guys yeah 
So definitely get us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can find us on Twitter at um, Yamp Podcast. Y A N F Podcast. You can get us on Facebook. Well, I feel like you can't just say Yamp, or people are like, "What? What? Yeah, Y-A-N-F-M-F. no, you can't. You have to spell it out." Um, get us on Facebook. We are everywhere. Everywhere that you're looking for us. Yep, we probably are. I want to give a quick. Uh, spotlight onto Radio Public. Yes, please. Yes. We haven't talked to you guys about Radio Public in a while. It's a free app where you can listen to us for free, where we get a very small um, payment in return. Yeah. Um, if you want to support us financially right now until we have a Patreon or merch set up, that's the best yeah. way to do it. Um, and I will say about Radio Public... Sometimes when I publish the episodes, if you're just like, I need to listen to this episode the minute it becomes available, radio it almost always goes up on Radio Public first. Does it really? Yeah. Like, it might take, like, this last time I uploaded... You were like, where is it on Apple Podcasts? Apple Podcast is slow. It took, like, half an hour to get onto Apple Podcasts. And sometimes they don't, um, because I obviously subscribe to my own podcast, Mm -hmm. it'll tell me, like, the next day. Yeah, sometimes the, um, like, the notifications are late, but even if you're watching for it, sometimes it takes, like, a while... On Radio Public, if you get the Radio Public app, it goes up right away. Yeah. Like, it's pretty much immediate. And also, if you guys want to be on top of it, I don't think we've ever said this, but we post our full-length episodes on Mondays and our mini-episodes on Thursdays, just yes. in case you want to, like, really stay on top of it. Yeah. I don't think we've ever really, like, vocally clarified Yeah. That. Or And also, like, follow us on social media because we always make a post when a new episode is yeah. up. So yeah. So you can definitely get the deets there. If yeah, and we usually post photos that go along with yeah, the so topic. If you're, if you're curious about what Franca Viola looks like, you, you'll know. Yeah, follow us on Instagram <laughs> and you'll see it. Yeah. So. Oh, you guys. Love you all. You all are so splendid. Totally. And I'm so tired. So am I. I'm like super. I want to get this makeup off of my face so bad. You look so pretty. Oh, thank you. You look so pretty. I'm all sweaty and gross. I didn't take a shower so bad. All right. So, you guys, with that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.